section one of the heptameron of the tales of margaret queen of navarre volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heptameron of the tales of margaret queen of navarre volume one by margaret of navarre translated by george saintsbury margaret of angoulême queen of navarre part one in dealing with the life and work of margaret of angoulême footnote this life of margaret is based upon the memoir by monsieur le rue de lancy prefixed to the edition of the heptameron issued by the société des bibliophiles francais but various errors have been rectified and advantage has been taken of the researches of later biographers and footnote it is necessary at the outset to refer to the mother whose influence and companionship served so greatly to mould her daughter's career louise of savoy daughter of count philip of bresse subsequently duke of savoy was born at le pont d'an in 1477 and upon the death of her mother margaret de bourbon she married charles d'orleans count of angoulême to whom she brought the slender dowry of thirty-five thousand livres footnote the value of the paris livre at this date was twenty sol so that the amount would be equivalent to about fourteen hundred pounds and footnote she was then but twelve years old her husband being some twenty years her senior he had been banished from the french court for his participation in the insurrection of brittany and was living in straitened circumstances still on either side the alliance was an honorable one louise belonged to a sovereign house while the count of angoulême was a prince of the blood royal of france by virtue of his descent from king charles v his grandfather having been that monarch's second son the notorious duke louis of orleans footnote this was the prince described by brantome as a quote, great debaucher of the ladies of the court and invariably of the greatest among them End quote. V. des dames galantes discourse one and footnote who was murdered in paris in fourteen seventeen at the instigation of john the bold of burgundy louise who although barely nubile impatiently longed to become a mother gave birth to her first child after four years of wedded life my daughter margaret she writes in the journal recording the principal events of her career was born in the year fourteen ninety two the eleventh day of april at two o'clock in the morning that is to say the tenth day 
fourteen hours and ten minutes counting after the manner of the astronomers this auspicious event took place at the chateau of angoulême then a formidable and stately pile of which nowadays there only remains a couple of towers built in the fourteenth and fifteenth centuries soon afterwards cognac became the count of angoulême's favorite place of residence and it was there that louise gave birth on september twelfth fourteen ninety four to her second child a son who was christened francis louise's desires were now satisfied but her happiness did not long remain complete on january first fourteen ninety six when she was but eighteen years old she lost her amiable and accomplished husband and forthwith retiring to her chateau of romorantin she resolved to devote herself entirely to the education of her children the duke of orleans who on the death of charles the eighth in fourteen ninety eight succeeded to the throne as louis the twelfth was appointed their guardian and in fourteen ninety nine he invited them and their mother to the royal chateau of amboise where they remained for several years the education of francis who had become heir presumptive to the throne was conducted at amboise by the marshal de g one of the king's favorites whilst margaret was entrusted to the care of a venerable lady whom her panegyrist does not mention by name but in whom he states all virtues were assembled footnote saint martz oraison funebre de la roine de navarre page twenty two margaret's modern biographers state that this lady was madame de chatillon but it is doubtful which madame de chatillon it was the reverend james anderson assumes it was louise de montmorency the mother of the colinies whilst miss freer asserts it was anne de chaban de Danyerton, wife of james de chatillon killed in italy in fifteen seventy two Monsieur Franck has shown, in his edition of the Heptameron, that Anne de Chabon died about 1505, and that James de Chatillon then married Blanche de Tournon. Possibly his first wife may have been Margaret's governess, but what is quite certain is that the second wife became her lady of honor, and that it is she who is alluded to in the Heptameron and footnote this lady took care to regulate not only the acts but also the language of the young princess who was provided with a tutor in the person of robert Herot, baron of Ozay, great archdeacon and abbot of st martin of autun this divine instructed her in latin and french literature and also taught her spanish and italian in which languages brantome asserts that she became proficient but albeit she knew how to speak good spanish and good italian he says 
she always made use of her mother tongue for matters of moment though when it was necessary to join in jesting and gallant conversation she showed that she was acquainted with more than her daily bread such was margaret's craving for knowledge that she even wished to obtain instruction in hebrew and paul paradis surnamed le Canos, a professor at the royal college gave her some lessons in it moreover a rather obscure passage in the funeral oration which saint Marte devoted to her after her death seemingly implies that she acquired from some of the most eminent men then flourishing the precepts of the philosophy of the ancients the journal kept by louise of savoy does not impart much information as to the style of life which she and her children led in their new abode the palatial chateau of amboise originally built by the counts of anjou and fortified by charles the seventh with the most formidable towers in france footnote the chateau of amboise now the private property of the count de paris is said to occupy the site of a roman fortress destroyed by the normans and rebuilt by foulke the red of anjou when francis i ascended the french throne he presented the barony of amboise with its hundred and forty-six fief to his mother louise of savoy End footnote. numerous authorities state however that margaret spent most of her time in study with her preceptors and in the devotional exercises which then had so large a place in the training of princesses still she was by no means indifferent to the pastimes in which her brother and his companions engaged gaston de foix the nephew of the king william gaufier who became admiral de bonivet philip brion sieur de chabot florange the young adventurer charles de bourbon count of montpensier and anne de montmorency two future constables of france surrounded the heir to the throne with whom they practised tennis archery and jousting or played at soldiers pending the time when they were to wage war in earnest margaret was a frequent spectator of these pastimes and took a keen interest in her brother's efforts whenever he was assailing or defending some miniature fortress or tilting at the ring it would appear also that she was wont to play at chess with him for we have it on high authority that it is she and her brother who are represented thus engaged in a curious miniature preserved at the bibliothèque nationale in paris in this design executed by an unknown artist only the back of francis is to be seen but a full view of margaret is supplied the personage standing behind her being artus gaufier her own and her brother's governor whatever time margaret may have devoted to diversion 
she was certainly a very studious child for at fifteen years of age she already had the reputation of being highly accomplished shortly after her sixteenth birthday a great change took place in her life on august third fifteen o eight louise of savoy records in her journal that francis this day quitted amboise to become a courtier and left me all alone margaret accompanied her brother upon his entry into the world the young couple repairing to blois where louis the twelfth had fixed his residence there had previously been some unsuccessful negotiations in view of marrying margaret to prince henry of england henry the eighth and at this period another husband was suggested in the person of charles of austria count of flanders and subsequently emperor charles v louis the twelfth however had other views as regards the daughter of the count of angouleme for he knew that if he himself died without male issue the throne would pass to margaret's brother hence he decided to marry her to a prince of the royal house charles duke of alencon this prince born at alencon on september second fourteen eighty nine had been brought up at the chateau of mauve in la perche by his mother the pious and charitable margaret of lorraine who on losing her husband had resolved like louise of savoy to devote herself to the education of her children it had originally been intended that her son charles should marry suzanne daughter of the duke and duchess of bourbon the celebrated peter and anne de beaujeu but this match fell through owing to the death of peter and the opposition of anne who preferred the young count of montpensier afterwards constable de bourbon as a son-in-law a yet higher alliance then presented itself for charles it was proposed that he should marry anne of brittany the widow of king charles the eighth but she was many years his senior and moreover to prevent the separation of brittany from france it had been stipulated that she should marry either her first husband's successor louis the twelfth or the heir presumptive to the throne either course seemed impracticable as the heir francis of angouleme was but a child while the new king was already married to jane a daughter of louis the eleventh brittany seemed lost to france when louis the twelfth by promising the duchy of valentinois to caesar borgia prevailed upon pope alexander the sixth to divorce him from his wife he then married anne of brittany while charles of alencon proceeded to perfect his knightly education pending other matrimonial arrangements in fifteen o seven when in his eighteenth year he accompanied the army which the king led against the genoese 
and conducted himself bravely displaying such courage indeed at the battle of agnadel gained over the venetians who were assailed after the submission of genoa that louis the twelfth bestowed upon him the order of st michael it was during this italian expedition that his mother negotiated his marriage with margaret of angouleme the alliance was openly countenanced by louis the twelfth and the young duke of valois as francis of angouleme was now called readily acceded to it margaret brought with her a dowry of sixty thousand livres payable in four installments and charles who was on the point of attaining his twenty-first year was declared a major and placed in possession of his estates the marriage was solemnized at blois in october fifteen o nine margaret did not find in her husband a mind comparable to her own differences of taste and temper brought about a certain amount of coolness which did not however hinder the duchess from fulfilling the duties of a faithful submissive wife in fact although but little sympathy would appear to have existed between the duke and duchess of alencon their domestic differences have at least been singularly exaggerated during the first five years of her married life margaret lived in somewhat retired style in her duchy of alencon while her husband took part in various expeditions and was invested with important functions in fifteen thirteen he fought in picardy against the english and imperialists commanded by henry the eighth being present at the famous battle of spurs and early in fifteen fourteen he was appointed lieutenant-general and governor of brittany margaret at this period was not only often separated from her husband but she also saw little of her mother who had retired to her duchy of angouleme louise of savoy as mother of the heir presumptive was the object of the homage of all adroit and politic courtiers but she had to behave with circumspection on account of the jealousy of the queen anne of brittany whose daughters claude and renee were debarred by the salic law from inheriting the crown louis the twelfth wished to marry claude to francis of angouleme but anne refusing her consent it was only after her death in fifteen fourteen that the marriage was solemnized it now seemed certain that francis would in due course ascend the throne but louis the twelfth abruptly contracted a third alliance marrying mary of england the sister of henry the eighth louise of savoy soon deemed it prudent to keep a watch on the conduct of this gay young queen and took up her residence at the court in november fifteen fourteen shortly afterwards louis the twelfth died of exhaustion as many had foreseen 
and the hopes of the duchess of angoulême were realized she knew the full extent of her empire over her son now francis i and felt both able and ready to exercise a like authority over the affairs of his kingdom the accession of francis gave a more important position to margaret and her husband the latter was already one of the leading personages of the state and new favors increased his power he did not address the king as your majesty says odolon desnos but styled him monsignor or my lord and all the acts which he issued respecting his duchy of alencon began with the preamble charles by the grace of god francis had scarcely become king when he turned his eyes upon italy and appointing his mother as regent he set out with a large army a portion of which was commanded by the duke of alencon at the battle of marignano the troops of the latter formed the rear-guard and on perceiving that the swiss were preparing to surround the bulk of the french army charles marched against them overthrew them and by his skilful manoeuvres decided the issue of the second day's fight the conquest of the duchy of milan was the result of this victory and peace supervening the duke of alencon returned to france it was at this period that margaret began to keep a court which according to odolon desnos rivalled that of her brother we know that in fifteen seventeen she and her husband entertained the king with a series of magnificent fetes at their chateau of alencon which then combined both a palace and a fortress but little of the chateau now remains as after the damage done to it during the religious wars between fifteen sixty one and fifteen seventy two it was partially demolished by henry the fourth when he and biron captured it in fifteen ninety still the lofty keep built by henry the first of england subsisted intact till in seventeen fifteen it was damaged by fire and finally in seventeen eighty seven raised to the ground the old pile was yet in all its splendor in fifteen seventeen when francis i was entertained there with jousts and tournaments at these gay gatherings margaret appeared apparelled in keeping with her brother's love of display for like all princesses she clothed herself on important occasions in sumptuous garments but in everyday life she was very simple despising the vulgar plan of impressing the crowd by magnificence and splendor in a portrait executed about this period her dark-colored dress is surmounted by a wimple with a double collar and her head covered with a cap in the bernese style this portrait tends like those of a later date to the belief that margaret's beauty so celebrated by the poets of her time 
consisted mainly in the nobility of her bearing and the sweetness and liveliness spread over her features her eyes nose and mouth were very large but although she had been violently attacked with smallpox while still young she had been spared the traces which this cruel illness so often left in those days and she even preserved the freshness of her complexion until late in life footnote referring to this subject she says in one of her letters you can tell it to the count and countess of vertu whom you will go and visit on my behalf and say to the countess that i am sorely vexed that she has this loathsome illness however i had it as severely as ever was known and if it be that she has caught it as i have been told i should like to be near her to preserve her complexion and do for her what i did for myself Janan's lettre de marguerite d'angoulême paris eighteen forty one page three seventy four and footnote like her brother whom she greatly resembled she was very tall her gait was solemn but the dignified air of her person was tempered by extreme affability and a lively humor which never left her footnote saint mart says on this subject quote, for in her face in her gestures in her walk in her words in all that she did and said a royal gravity made itself so manifest and apparent that one saw i know not what of majesty which compelled every one to revere and dread her in seeing her kindly receive every one refuse no one and patiently listen to all you would have promised yourself easy and facile access to her but if she cast eyes upon you there was in her face i know not what of gravity which made you so astounded that you no longer had power i do not say to walk a step but even to stir a foot to approach her oraison funebre etc page fifty three and footnote francis i did not allow the magnificent reception accorded to him at alencon to pass unrewarded he presented his sister with the duchy of berry where she henceforward exercised temporal control though she does not appear to have ever resided there for any length of time in fifteen twenty one when her husband started to the relief of chevalier bayard attacked in Migere by the imperial troops she repaired to meaux with her mother so as to be near to the duke whilst sojourning there she improved her acquaintance with the bishop william brissonnet who had gathered round him gerard roussel michel derande lefebvre d'etaplus and other celebrated disciples of the reformation the effect of luther's preaching had scarcely reached france before margaret had begun to manifest great interest in the movement 
and had engaged in a long correspondence with brissonnet which is still extant historians are at variance as to whether margaret ever really contemplated a change of religion or whether the protection she extended to the reformers was simply dictated by a natural feeling of compassion and a horror of persecution it has been contended that she really meditated a change of faith and even attempted to convert her mother and brother and this view is borne out by some passages in the letters which she wrote to bishop brissonnet after spending the winter of fifteen twenty one at meaux whilst she was sojourning there her husband having contributed to the relief of Miger, joined the king who was then encamped at fervac on the somme and preparing to invade Hainaut. it was at this juncture that clement marot the poet who after being attached to the person of anne of brittany had become a hanger-on at the court of francis i applied to margaret to take him into her service shortly afterwards we find him furnishing her with information respecting the royal army which had entered Hainaut and was fighting there l'anglais du Frenois, in his edition of marot's works originated the theory that the numerous poems composed by marot in honor of margaret supply proofs of an amorous intrigue between the pair other authorities have endorsed this view but monsieur le roux de lancy asserts that in the pieces referred to and others in which marot incidentally speaks of margaret he can find no trace either of the fancy ascribed to her for the poet or of the passion which the latter may have felt for her like all those who surrounded the duchess of alencon marot he remarks exalted her beauty art and talent to the clouds but whenever it is to her that his verses are directly addressed he does not depart from the respect he owes to her to give some likelihood to his conjectures l'anglais du Frenois had to suppose that marot addressed margaret in certain verses which were not intended for her in the epistles previously mentioned and in several short pieces rondeaux epigrams new year's addresses and epitaphs really written to or for the sister of francis i one only finds respectful praise such as the humble courtier may fittingly offer to his patroness there is nothing whatever adds monsieur le roux de lancy to promote the suspicion that a passion either unfortunate or favored inspired a single one of these compositions the campaign in which francis i was engaged at the time when marot's connection with margaret began and concerning which the poet supplied her with information was destined to influence the whole reign 
since it furnished the occasion of the first open quarrel between francis i and the companion of his childhood charles de bourbon count of montpensier and constable of france yielding too readily on this occasion to the persuasions of his mother francis entrusted to margaret's husband the command of the vanguard a post which the constable considered his own by virtue of his office he felt mortally offended at the preference given to the duke of alencon and from that day forward he and francis were enemies forever whilst the king was secretly jealous of bourbon who was one of the handsomest richest and bravest men in the kingdom louise of savoy although forty-four years of age was in love with him the constable then thirty-two had lost his wife suzanne de bourbon from whom he had inherited vast possessions to these louise of savoy finding her passion disregarded laid claim as being a nearer relative of the deceased a marriage as chancellor de suggested would have served to reconcile the parties but the constable having rejected the proposed alliance with disdain so it is said the suit was brought before the parliament and decided in favor of louise such satisfaction as she may have felt was not however of long duration for charles de bourbon left france entered the service of charles v and in the following year fifteen twenty four helped to drive the french under bonivet out of italy End of section one